Hey, it's Jeremy, and I just want to take a quick minute to thank everybody who's checked this out at SotaSoccer.com, S-O-T-A Soccer.com, and who has supported us and contributed to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash SotaSoccer. We're trying to bring the Minnesota soccer community unmatched, unprecedented, dedicated, unique coverage of Minnesota soccer that you're not going to get anywhere else with written pieces, podcasts, and bonus content available to our Patreon subscribers over at patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. So if you haven't sampled our written content yet, make sure you check that out at SodaSoccer.com. And again, if you want to go that extra mile and directly support what we do, every content creator that's on the Soda Soccer team is paid for their work. So if you want to help support that and contribute to that, just go to patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. You can contribute for as low as $3 a month. Big thanks to everybody who is supporting not only the podcast here, but SodaSoccer.com as well. Now to the episode. What is up and welcome into 10,000 Pitches, a podcast about everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. Jeremy Rushing here alongside me as always for episode 118, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? I'm doing great. I had the uh, pleasure last week of of meeting you and a lot of the other Soda soccer guys in person finally for the first time at uh, at 9th Street for the U.S. Netherlands game and that was great. and. yeah, fun. looking forward to. There's a couple, couple interesting little stories popping up here and there, and for Minnesota United and and other other parts of the state. So looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, it's amazing. None of us. I mean, I'm, Jacob and I have obviously met in person from going to Minnesota United games, been in the press box, but like you know, it was me, you, Jacob, Carter, um, and and Matthew Johnson was there as well as he always is with the American Outlaws, Minneapolis. So. Um, that was just a really good time getting, getting all of us together really in person for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, it was really cool. I'll chat with you off zoom, uh, for <laughs> once was really cool. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we don't wait another, you know, 18 months, however long it's been since we started <laughs> this thing to, uh, to meet in person again. That was a, that was a good time. So, and shout out to everybody who came out to ninth street, uh, on Saturday as well. Really good crowd there to watch the U S Netherlands game. Although the results didn't exactly go the way. We had hoped. Um, it was still a really good time, great atmosphere, uh, fun getting to chat with some of you all as well. So, um, and great coffee as well. Can't forget that coffee was excellent at Ninth Street too. So, if you haven't been to Ninth Street, go and check them out. Uh, NinthStreetMPLS.com, really good spot to go and catch a game. They're going to have uh, all the World Cup games uh, the rest of the way on there too. So, if you're looking for a communal place, communal space to go watch the World Cup, go uh, check out our friends at Ninth Street. Uh, but as always, this podcast, 10,000 Pitches, is presented by SodaSoccer.com. It's your home for soccer coverage in the North. Uh, and although it is the uh, very much the offseason in pretty much every way, we still got some content up there on the website. Uh, Matthew Johnson just did a great sort of uh, uh, story on Valora FC and their new women's team and the new UPSL Women's League and its potential footprint here in Minnesota and uh, Wisconsin as well. So um, that was a really good article. Go check that out. Um, obviously if I had to go watch the world cup, we have kind of world cup, uh, you know, where you can watch the world cup in and around the twin cities articles about all that stuff. Uh, Jacob Schneider does his weekly Minnesota United sort of off season news recap as well up on the website. So a lot of good content there. Check it out. Soda soccer 
Com. And as always, if you're a fan of the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. That would be great. And also follow us on all the socials at Soda SOC. We had already talked about a little bit about the uh, U.S.'s unfortunate exit in the round of 16 from the World Cup. We're going to talk more about that on 10K Stoppage Time this week. little World Cup update uh, for you there. So if you're looking for that bonus content, you can check us out at patreon.com slash soda soccer. That's patreon.com slash soda soccer. If you subscribe in our five or $10 tiers, you are going to get uh, that weekly bonus podcast. And this week's topic is just sort of an update on everything happening in the world cup and sort of our take on the goings on there in Qatar. But now let's get into the, uh, the Minnesota soccer news, the Minnesota soccer headlines. And we're going to start actually with Minnesota Aurora this week. Um, we had sort of been, we, we've been kind of talking about this, this evolving story of Minnesota Aurora sort of checking in and looking into moving up into a professional league sooner rather than later. They had been looking to gain some investment, but the team did announce this week, uh, that timeline to secure investment to join a professional league by 2024 proved to be a little bit too tight. Um, they still have aspirations to become the first professional women's team in Minnesota in the future. It just won't be happening. Uh, presumably in 2024 would be happening 2025 or later. And Dom, we had speculated when this news came about. Now we didn't know exactly when these conversations with potential investors had started from when they announced their intent to pursue a professional league and then actually submitted a bid to the NWSL was like four or five days. Uh, So in and of itself, that seemed like a little bit of a tight window and it turned out to be that way. Uh, what was your reaction to the news this week from Aurora? Yeah, I mean, I think when when that initial uh, series of of reports and, and that their announcement about being interested when that, that all came out, I think both of our sort of uh, consensus was just that the 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 deadline, the the bottleneck to get in through the door by twenty twenty four seemed very narrow and very difficult. But you know, if anyone was able to do it, it might be them. Um, And I think it just, you know, proved to be a little too complicated of a a situation to to navigate in a responsible way, which obviously is important to make sure that the setup that you have is is one that will actually last the project and uh, not setting yourself up for failure of a sort of a rushed process. So, um, you know, in a way, I know I know obviously a lot of people um, saw this news and were um, I won't say upset, but were you know wish that that the news was different um for me in a way it's almost maybe better off that there's a little going to be a little more of a wait in the sense that if if this jump is going to happen and this organization is going to try and grow like this you you want it to be done in the most um thought out uh uh uh, responsible way possible uh and and so not trying to sort of jump over jump, jump under the door as it closes um, yeah, to sneak in for 2024 in a way, I think that might be just the better result. I, I'm sure that Minnesota Aurora will figure it out in the near future. Uh, like you said, maybe 25, maybe 26. Uh, but you know, I think it's almost better for the team that when whenever that jump happens, that it happens in you know a, a mature way and not a rushed way. So uh, in that sense, you know, there's a side to it that is unfortunate, but I think it might be better off uh, for the organization that it plays out like that. There's a difference between bringing in 
any investor and bringing in the right investor to help right. make this happen and help you know secure and continue the vision of the club and its current uh front office um you don't don't want to just into bed with any old person uh from an investment standpoint just to get something over the line by a certain time you know you want to be able to do it right and and do it in the way that's going to be most, most advantageous for you advantageous for your fans advantageous for your community owners advantageous for your community um so uh, that's encouraging to me i kind of echoing that sentiment dom that um you know i don't necessarily see this as a bad thing uh they're gonna presumably be doing their due diligence here giving themselves a little bit more time and make sure that they're finding the right fit for everybody that's that's currently involved so um all the best to them um and president andrew yoke named the twin city business magazines uh to the twin city business magazines tcb 100 for 2022 um very well deserved um starting this uh, helping start this organization in minnesota aurora everything that they've been able to do in their first year has been outstanding um definitely deserving of that honor anybody involved with minnesota aurora deserves all the recognition that they could possibly get uh for what they've done here um just in, in one short year and um next couple of years we'll be in the pre-professional ranks um and we'll be interested to see what that timeline looks like um for moving up to a professional league whether it's 2025 2026 or beyond but um you know i think it's easy to have you know based off what we've seen so far have kind of full trust and faith that the front office is going to do right by everybody involved so um moving on though to minnesota united a couple signings this week on the first team first was uh finally got a backup goalkeeper clint Irwin. uh very very seasoned MLS player, over 200 league appearances, eight playoff appearances, 37 shutouts in his 10-year MLS career, um, has played primarily for Colorado and Toronto. I think this is the type of person you want to be backing up, Dane St. Clair, um, a veteran, somebody who knows MLS, something that can sort of give him a little bit of a, of a veteran leadership as well. Um, somebody who's going who's gonna to push him, I think, a little bit too. You know, obviously he's brought on to be the backup, but uh, seems to know what he's doing between the posts. And so it's not necessarily going to be a cakewalk for St. Clair to keep his spot. If he completely falls off, he's going to need to keep his game up if he wants to, if he wants to make sure that he is that number one. But um, I think when you look at who you want behind him, you want a veteran, you want somebody who can uh, give him that advice, give him that guidance. And Clint Irwin seems to fit that billing, at least just by the resume. Yeah, I think, um, I think this signing strikes a, a good balance between the, the sort of things that you want and don't want with your backup keeper in the sense that you're getting a guy who's certainly experienced in various angles of, of MLS and, and the space around MLS. I think last year he made some MLS Nets pro appearances as well. Um, you're getting a guy that knows that talented guy, veteran. At the same time, you're not bringing in somebody that I think would create um, any sort of tension or drama about, well, should they be starting? Should he be starting? Sure. Should they, you know, you're not creating a new Tyler Miller, Dane St. Clair situation. You're bringing in a respected veteran who certainly can play if you need him to, but it's not necessarily creating a, it's not a headline grabbing sort of dramatic no. situation. Um, I'm not a professional soccer player, but I imagine that that might be a slightly nicer position to be in, in a locker room. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good sign. I think it's a guy that if the looms do end up needing to play him, he will be there. He'll be able to do it. He's done it before, done it a couple different places. 
uh, the Rapids in Toronto particularly. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think once it was clear Miller was leaving, obviously the conversation, I think we even had this conversation was, okay, I guess Eric Dick and Fred Emmings are somehow going to arrange into some sort of backup setup. Uh, this maybe suggests that that's not quite what's going to happen. Maybe both those guys are still going to be more of a next pro kind of players. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Clint Irwin will be there to sort of be the the secondary for, for St. Clair. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good addition and uh, hopefully one that can kind of bring some experience and some perspective to the locker room for, for next season. Yeah, 33 years old. He's been around the block a few times. So I think he'd be a, a great guy to have uh, there in that in that goalkeeper's room with St. Clair. Um, another signing on the back line, Zarek Valentin, uh, close to 200 league appearances in his own right in MLS, primarily Chivas USA, Portland Timbers, most recently with the Dynamo, uh, made over 50 appearances for uh, Bodo Glimt in, in the Norwegian top tier from 2013 to 2015. He does have four caps at the Puerto Rican national team as well, as recently as this year's CONCACAF Nations League campaign. Um, you know, I, I did see some some chatter on Twitter about his age, um, you know, being, uh, you know, kind of over the hill from MLS standards, so to speak. Um, but I do look at this as you, you kind of have your starting back line solidified at this point for next year. Mm. If you're um, if you're Minnesota, um, we've talked about them, maybe one of them to bring in like a, a DP level, if not a DP, a DP caliber center back. Uh, which I still think is on the on the market. I don't think this signing inhibits that in any way, shape, or form. And I do think, as we saw last year, the more defensive depth you can have, as long as it's quality defensive depth, I do think that's a question that does need to be answered from Valentin is how he can provide quality from a depth perspective in this roster specifically. But I think as long, if you're getting depth along the back line that is going to be serviceable or better, I think that's always a net positive, especially the way Minnesota United is structured and the importance that is placed along that back line. You got to have depth. And with some of the outgoing pieces, um, you know, just from a, a gut reaction standpoint, seeing his resume and knowing kind of, you know, having watched him play a little bit, um, I do think this is sort of a net positive signing for Minnesota. What say you, Don? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, you've seen in the, the start of this offseason, Minnesota United, uh, let go of, of quite a few guys that were sort of in the mix to be seconds or third options in a lot of defensive positions, maybe guys that would get a couple starts through the year. Um, you know, your, your Fishers, your Montgomery's, those sorts of guys. And uh, when, when you sort of clear out the bank of those guys, that means you need new people to play that role. You can't just not have them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, while I'm not necessarily sure if Valentin is expected to, start a lot of games or anything um I, I i suppose it's up to him to to earn that but uh i think this is clearly uh, akin to to Irwin. i think this is clearly an experienced guy who's been around the league been with a couple teams uh in, including uh he was with the timbers when they made uh the run to the mls cup final that's atlanta uh you know this is a guy that that knows his game knows it at a few different levels got a little national team experience as well i don't think there's anything uh, wrong with having that in your pocket when you're building out a roster. And I, I think it's probably going to be a, a reliable option moving forward. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, obviously he comes from a dynamo side that was inconsistent. Um, I'm not necessarily sure how much yep. of that was on him, but uh, you can get good players out of 
poor teams. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I have yeah. hope that, that he proves to be a, a good uh, sort of defensive depth signing that uh, can, can be there just like a lot of those other names I, I mentioned earlier to sort of make sure that we have options when like this last season, when, you know, a couple of weeks in, we have multiple defensive options that are, that are injured potentially. So uh, yeah, I, I don't see anything particularly wrong with it. I think it's a, a relatively safe, but hopefully positive signing. All right. We'll get back into the episode in just a minute, but first of course, want to shout out our friends over at ninth street soccer and coffee, 801 South Ninth street, Minneapolis is where you can find them. They're in the Marcy Holmes neighborhood, kind of right there between dinky town and Northeast. Very convenient to get to no matter where you are in the Metro. And once you get there, if you enjoy playing soccer, well, they have pickup going on almost every night of the week. So if you want to be in an indoor temperature controlled environment, play and pick up. Ninth Street is the place for you. Also, if you're not maybe in soccer, but you love soccer, you want to be in a soccer environment, they have soccer on the TVs all day long when there's soccer on. They have a great coffee shop and bar area where you can enjoy, uh, you know, you can get your you can get your espresso fix, you can enjoy a great coffee, you can enjoy a nice tea if you want, or if you're feeling like you maybe you want to have a little, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere situation going on. You can enjoy a few of the brews that they have on tap. Beer from Uda Pills, Castle Danger, and so many more. So no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your interest is in regards to soccer, Ninth Street has you covered. If you're a work-from-home type, but you have the flexibility, or maybe you can work from a, a coffee shop like Ninth Street, it's a great place to go get some work done, watch some soccer on the TVs, and just be around other people who love soccer. So if that sounds good to you, check them out. 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis. Follow them on Twitter or Instagram at Ninth Street MPLS. That's N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S. Or hit them up online, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Huge thanks to the guys over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee for supporting this episode of 10,000 Pitches. Let's get back into it. Yeah, you know, you have to you know hope that this is only the beginning of you know, bringing on some new pieces, some new quality pieces from Minnesota United in this sort of off-season window that they have here. Um, obviously, center back is something that we've sort of circled, defend field, obviously striker, it seems, is always going to be on the wish list every off-season for Minnesota United from here until the end of time. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what moves are made, but I think this is kind of a good start in some depth. Um, yeah. Other stories, let's move on. Actually, before we do that, MNUFC2. Um, almost overlooked this. Um, they announced the signing of Australian youth international Zayden Bello of the Melbourne Victory. Um, there were a lot of, of uh, you know, big contributors that, um, you know, were were let go or, or left MNUFC2 at the end of this first season. Um, so obviously they're, they're going to need to replenish that with some quality. Um, if they sort of want to keep a, as a team an upward trajectory, but also you want to look at these guys as prospects as well. Right, not just how they help MNUFC too, but how they can help Minnesota United in three, four, five years, whatever it is. Um, so, you know, youth international, Minnesota United seems to love their uh, international cap players, uh, quite quite a few of them um, now. But um, you know, from not knowing much about this guy and just again looking at the resume a little bit, seems to sort of fit the bill of what you know Adrian Heath would want to look at as a prospect. And it's good to see, you know, bringing in some new options with this new, you know, reserve side that they have. And, you know, at, at worst, we'll determine that maybe he's not in Minnesota United's future. But I feel like these signings are always low risk, high reward when you have that reserve side to bring people into and sort of try them out at. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, two things, uh, you know, f- first of all, yeah, seems like a talented kid. Seems like he's got, you know, a future to build on. Uh, Minnesota United are getting him at an interesting point in his career. Cause it seems like he was just sort of on the edge of breaking into uh, sort of the senior team for, for the Melbourne victory. So you're getting a guy that, that was sort of about to make that next step. And, and now you're sort of becoming his, uh, his new step in that process with, with MNUFC two, um, you know, I, hopefully that works out. I, I think that the thing that comes to mind for me with this is that you mentioned it, that, that multiple players are, are, you know, leaving through one meetings or another, the team that we got used to this last year. Uh, you know, I, I think that between episodes, um, the news had come out of a couple more departures, like Tommy Williams and stuff like that. Um, and uh, so I, I think, you know, with moves like this, I think the question that just remains is, you know, this this uh, Loons 2 side continuing to develop exactly what its place is in the structure of the club. Uh, because, you know, this year we, we saw really the top prospects from it pretty much all leave in some way. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, what that means for, for how this team fits into Minnesota United and MLS and to be fair, it's not that everybody left, but, you know, the people that people were particularly talking about mostly left. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how that can use to develop when you have new players um, like Bello coming in. Then it becomes, OK, how does he fit into that? What does this mean for people like him, internationals coming to this team? Um, but, you know, a lot of those are questions that we're going to have to wait to have answered. Uh, I imagine that there is a plan in place that makes sense. Um, but we just kind of have to wait and see how that continues to form, obviously, with this program just being in its, its second year now coming up. So, um, yeah, that being said, hopefully he hits the ground running and, and can provide some some skill for uh, the Toonies. All right. Uh, and Jacob Schneider always has some MNUFC 2 news and scoops and, and, and reaction in his weekly sort of Minnesota United offseason um, piece up at SodaSoccer.com. Um, recording on Friday should be one up later today. So, uh, check that out for the latest on not only Minnesota United, but MNUFC two as well. Um, some other stories in the community soccer scene, Brooklyn center's own Ismalia Joe made his national team debut at the end of November for the Gambia in a nil nil draw with Guinea Bissau. Um, that's pretty cool. I mean, another local, uh, local talent, you know, making their debut for a national team. Uh, we've seen it with Minnesota and we're starting to see it more now uh, with just local talent, locally bred talent, sort of getting their opportunity, not only in, in, in clubs and, and professional soccer in and of itself, but also from the national team side as well. And uh, it's, it's cool to kind of just continue to see that evolution of, uh, of that youth soccer scene here and, and the type of talent that it's, that it's breeding and, yeah um moving on and uh, this is just a the latest example of that they're very cool yeah it's a cool you know i i i picked up that this had happened from uh, his his social media um he had talked about it you know ismalia jome is is hopefully a player that people remember who are listening he's kind of an interesting player in the history of minnesota united because he was with the team in the nasl um and and came over to MLS for one season in 2017, obviously, and, and actually had a pretty okay season, uh, but then was, was let go. Uh, and I know a lot of people at the time were not mm-hmm. huge fans of that. 
uh, he went on to have sort of a USL career. Mo mostly he played for Nashville in the USL and switched back to someone else, Portland two or something. Um, and then he was in MLS Nets pro with Portland last year. Very talented guy. Um, you know, great feet. And uh, he's from the Gambia, but grew up in Brooklyn center and in, in the cities and uh, about as much Minnesota born and bred as, as you can get without literally being born <laughs> in Minnesota. So it's a really cool, really cool that he got an opportunity to kind of take that extra step and represent his country of birth. Um, the Gambia, from what I recall from the last AFCON and AFCON qualifiers, you know, that's, is actually a pretty, they're underdogs, but a competitive side and a lot of talents in that, in that group. So very cool that he got to be a part of that, but yeah, it's, it's a testament to the importance of patience too. in, in, in this game, you know, he's not necessarily a kid anymore, but you know, he's been persistent with yeah. his career and he's gotten the opportunity to do, you know, what will probably go down as one of his biggest accomplishments, which is, you know, represent uh, the Gambia. So yeah, just congratulations to him on that great little, uh, not little, but that great accomplishment to add to the, to the list. And, and hopefully this is a, uh, Hopefully this helps him, you know, find uh, what his next home is and continue his career. So, yeah, congrats to uh, Dishmail. Dom, I can't get over the fact that your computer doesn't seem to know what to do with its camera. And because you have a, you I have a window into the right behind you, a very bright window. And so you keep, you, you're like, you're like becoming a silhouette. So I feel like we're like <laughs> partly recording a podcast, but I'm also conducting an anonymous interview with yes. you like this is going to be in a documentary but you don't want people I to see your face like and we're going to have to we're going to have to change your voice uh at some point in here too uh like you like you were you, you were involved in your <laughs> i will not your, reveal your my sources here. on the jome news exactly exactly <laughs> yeah we, we we flipped you uh anyways this is anyways it's it's hilarious i took a picture of it i think i'm gonna post it on our social media <laughs> but um anyways moving on uh in the front uh, Dakota Fusion announced uh, Canadian Sierra Renham as their new coach of their WPSL team. He played at, uh, uh, or she played at NDSU from 2011-2015, played for a range of WPSL and NWS clubs. She most recently served as an assistant coach for MSU Moorhead. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about Dakota Fusion from the NPSL side, but obviously they do have a foothold in the WPSL being um, them and Sioux Falls being the only two Dakota teams in this Northern Conference um, that is growing as we will continue to get to a little bit later on in the show. Um, but this is obviously somebody with a, uh, you know, Sierra has a, a very vast and impressive uh, pedigree. Um, mm -hmm. And it just kind of shows Dakota, not only on the PSL side, but the WPSL side as well, continue to invest in their team and bring in, uh, you know, front office members, whatever it is, sort of bringing in the resources to get the most out of their club and get the most out of their players and continue that improvement and that evolution. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think my, my first thoughts when I came across this news were that, you know, Dakota Fusion are, are, are a history uh, team at this point in, in this part of, of sort of the game and this, this sort of lower league community. And if you, uh, if you add in, the, the year or two of, of uh, gosh, what was it, Fargo FC, the, the sort of team that came right before it. Um, you know, a lot, lot of history, certainly a lot of accomplishments. Last couple of years have been pretty rough for both sides. And, you know, we saw last year with uh, Sam winning coming into a leadership role for the N, uh, NPSL side, 
saw you know the organization sort of relight the fire and um, really really focus in on the work, improving on recruiting, uh, and putting together really a really strong team. And uh, you know I, I think it's really encouraging to see potentially some of that starting to happen with the WPSL side. Unfortunately, in the last couple of seasons they've had pretty rough years. Um, and, and so seeing that same sort of like, okay, well, what other people, what other ideas can we bring in? That's really encouraging to see, uh, from an organization that, you know, we know is capable of putting together really competitive teams, um, just hasn't always worked out. Uh, so yeah, really encouraging, you know, there, there was adjacent to this, there was some news, uh, more or less that, that Dakota, that Dakota Fusion were taking part in like a, a, a scouting combine. Uh, that I, I believe was through connections that Sam Winning has at his job in, in New York as a, a D2 coach um, that involves some professional clubs and stuff. So, you know, the organization is really opening its eyes to trying to make sure it puts together the best team possible, bringing in good coaches. Uh, and I just think as a as a uh, person who's probably spent too much time in and around the MPSL North, it's very encouraging to see the fusion kind of rediscover that momentum and really put the put the work in to put together some some good teams. So hopefully this upcoming year, um, uh, Renham can you know put together a good side and have a good first year. And then uh, more WPSL news as St. Croix announced that they'll have a team in the Northern Conference next season, named the St. Croix Legacy to sort of go uh, hand in hand with the St. Croix Legends in, in the USL League Two, the St. Croix Legacy. And now that brings that Northern Conference to eight Minnesota teams and two Dakota teams. So 10 total teams now in that Northern Conference. And it's good to see St. Croix sort of investing the same way on the women's side that they were on the men's. We kind of just talked about this with Dakota as well. But, you know, they have that pre-professional path on the men's side that they, you know, they've been a storied academy um, and developmental uh, entity in the Twin Cities for a, a, a very, very long right? Mm-hmm. Um to see them sort of take that next step with the men's side, have that pre-professional path last year. And now to see them sort of equal that and do the same on the women's side here in 2022, it's good to see that equal attention. And it's just good that they have both of those options now on both sides of the spectrum for, for St. Croix. I think that only do, you know, will do good things not only to um, evolve players that are within their current system, but that's also kind of a good recruiting tool as well, yeah. right? That you have this pre-professional path to go along. Like we're not just an academy. We're kind of going to get you even further now with these with the, on both sides as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think, I think it's a great step for them. Like you said, this is a organization that has, you know, certainly a history to it, but obviously treading some new ground in terms of the sort of um, uh, older youth slash adult amateur kind of sphere of the game. And uh, you know, we, we saw, uh, the men's team in USLD2 put together a really strong debut season. Uh, uh, debut, of course, in this entire like level of the game, uh, really, really brought it all. Um, ended up, you know, outperforming Minneapolis City in a lot of ways, which is not necessarily what people expected. Um, so I, I think um, very encouraging to know that they're going to be bringing that energy to the women's game as well. Uh, for for me, as a person from um, uh, Western Wisconsin. I'm from basically across the border from from where uh, St. Croix Academy is based. Um, it, it's really encouraging to know that that there's going to be that energy for the women's team in that area. You know, um, uh, the the move St. Croix has made, combined with of course the great work that that Leeds Light Wapasla are doing, has really helped 
you know, continue to, to grow the game in, in Western Wisconsin, places like Hudson and, and New Richmond, River Falls, Menominee. So um, re- really encouraging to know that that's going to continue to grow on both sides of, of, the, of that line. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can, can see some really competitive play from this women's St. Croix team as well this coming year. I mean, that WPSL Northern Conference, we talk about it all. It's super competitive, oh, yeah. and it's just a 100-meter dash to the end. Um, but now you're adding more teams into the mix. I, I can only imagine that just adds to the chaos when we get to uh, when we get to May and June. Um, all right, that'll do it for kind of the rundown of uh, uh, Matthew Johnson does have an article about up at sodasoccer.com right now. Uh, Vlora FC has announced they'll be fielding a women's team in the brand new UPSL Women's League. Um, this is uh, something that has been in the works for a while. Uh, we first heard about this, I think, late last year, um, that the UPSL was sort of uh, toying with the idea of this and that some Minnesota clubs may be involved or some some local clubs may be involved. Well, we have the first taste of this with Vlora announcing that they will be in this league. Um, and so in Matthew Johnson's article too, he did, he did some work, he did some digging, and there are some rumors that Vlora will also be joined by the Lenny, Hayward, and Eau Claire, among others. Obviously, those are uh, organizations that we talk quite a bit about uh, ourselves here on the, on the show. So the fact that they might all be fielding women's sides, you know, women's league just adds to the excitement. And it's, it's, you know, with, with all of the, the, women's expansion news, if you will, that we have had this off season. It just continues to keep growing and growing and growing. Stop. It seems like every week we're talking about women's team or a women's team, uh, you know, moving up into a new league or, or something like that. This is sort of just, again, another, another example of that, that I think is very, very cool that so many, you know, little girls growing up and, and, you know, young female soccer players, now have all these options for, for them if they want to continue their careers or if they want to do something extra outside of their high school team or whatever it is, man, there is no shortage of options now uh, mm-hmm. for, for up and coming talent for up and coming aspiring female soccer players. And I think that is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's great to, you know, there, there's been conversations uh, in, in lower league soccer for, for years. Uh, I, I mean, I, back to when I first got in, into the scene and I'm sure way before that about, you know, that, that balance of uh, teams that are fielding men's sides, making sure they tr- make the effort to try and do the same with women's sides. Uh, obviously sometimes it's not possible. Some, some clubs, you know, have enough resources to field one or the other, and they just can't manage more than one team that happens, but there are lots that can, and they don't. Um, and, and so it's great to see some new, um, faces kind of step up and say, Hey, we think we have the resources. We've been doing this for a while at certain levels. We think we have the resources to do this at that sort of adult amateur level for women. Uh, let's try it. Stand involved with the league. There are now multiple leagues uh, physically present in Minnesota at a pretty high level. Um, so it's great to see more and more organizations, uh, certainly one like Valora, which has done so well at that the men's level, uh, you know, step up and make sure that they're doing what they can to kind of contribute to the other side of the of the game. 
Uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just great to know that we're going to have more and more organizations getting involved. Like you said, these, these schedules are already really packed. It's going to be interesting to see how that develops as these new teams, you know, enter the mix. Uh, I'm sure someone will figure it out, but uh, yeah, you know, between this news, of course, you know, Aurora, Rochester FC continue to do their thing. Uh, just a lot of really positive news coming out of out of the women's game and, and also in Wisconsin too, which is nice that there's sort of a Wisconsin connection yep. here. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing that ultimate shape. We will get back into the episode in just a quick minute, but uh, of course you've heard us talk about Pence Holmes numerous times, not only here on the 10,000 Pitches podcast, but also on the Saloons postgame show during the Minnesota United season as well. And the reason why we are so grateful for Pence Homes support is it's so rare to find a local business like Pence Homes who is so committed to helping support the local Minnesota soccer community. And that's what Nate Pence and his team have really shown, um, especially over these last few years. You know, they're sponsoring Minneapolis City Soccer Club. They're sponsoring Minnesota Aurora FC. Um, Nate Pence is huge into supporting Minnesota United as well, among other local soccer organizations and entities. Soda Soccer included and 10,000 pitches included. So, if you want to look at a business that's supporting the local soccer community but can also do a damn good job of helping you buy a new home, sell your current home, or do both at the same time, look no further than Nate Pence and the team at Pence Homes. P-E-N-T-Z homes.com is the website. Go there right now. If you're in or around Minneapolis and St. Paul and you are kind of in that process of thinking about selling your home or buying a new home or doing both, which is super stressful, um, I highly recommend you go to pencehomes.com and just check out their reviews. Don't take it from me. Take it from the... Hundreds and hundreds of people who have done business with Nate Pence and his team. It's probably thousands of people at this point, but the hundreds of reviews that they have over at PenceHomes.com from people who have actually worked with Nate and worked with the team and have had such a great experience. You can have that experience as well. P-E-N-T-Z-Homes.com. Or if I have sold you here, just email Nate directly. Nate, N-A-T-E, at PenceHomes.com. Huge thanks again to Pence Homes for supporting Soda Soccer and the 10,000 Pitches podcast. Let's get back into the show. All right, now it's time for top four. Top four news stories that uh, you know we're not able to get to in the normal rundown of things. Uh, maybe don't fit our our format, but still, you know, maybe worth talking about. Um, I'm going to go first. Uh, Ford Madison, speaking of Wisconsin, uh, major announcements this week. So if you're a fan of the Mingos, uh, listen up. Newcomers include... Christian Shaney from Fuego FC, defender Tommy Mel, uh, Stephen Payne from Richmond, and Jacob Kroll. Um, so four, you know, guys who were big contributors for other League One teams last season are now going to be uh, part of Ford Madison, and then uh, the front of Nuke of uh, returners. Uh, Mitch Osman, Derek Ebhard, and Nazim Bartman all confirmed to be staying in Madison next year. Now, these aren't, aren't the only roster moves to be announced. They're not going to field seven players next season, I promise. <laughs> uh, but it's just sort of day one the, the, of their roster announcements. And um, later said, uh, in a, uh, he did a bit of a, a town hall, Madison's forward club uh, last week, and he mentioned that there's only going to be about five or six returners on the team in total next season that they're looking at really replenishing the roster with some. Now, a lot of that is, is due to the fact that, you know, they have some next level talent on their team. They brought in some next level talent on their team last season who might be going back up to the championship or pursuing, uh, you know, more top tier options elsewhere. 
Um, so it's not necessarily that they're choosing to bring back five or six players. It just is kind of how it's working out. But at, the, at this league, um, that's the type of continuity that you get year to year with some of these teams, the way they currently stand. There's not going to be too many guys that return from year to year. So, um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of the newcomers that they continue to move forward and how that roster takes shape and, um, and see how they look heading into year two of the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see, uh, how, how the, the new roster moves affect the team. Obviously there was some, some high hopes for this year. Didn't quite go, I think as people were hoping, but, uh, hopefully some, some roster adjustments and, and all that can kind of unlock the, the next step for forward Madison. Um, my, uh, my first top four, uh, or my top two, uh, is, uh, is the news slash rumor. I guess it's not technically confirmed yet, although some pretty reputable people are reporting it that the 2024 Copa America is going to be, uh, hosted in the United States, um, featuring, uh, at least the United States, Mexico, and Canada being the, the Nets host of the World Cup, and then potentially uh, three more sides to, to equal it all out to 16 teams. Uh, th- there's not locked in on what those teams would be yet. Probably the, the three best finishers in the 2023 Gold Cup that aren't the U.S., Canada, and Mexico would be my guess. But um, yeah, uh, interesting news. You know, there, There's some controversy. Uh, originally, there was a very strong bid by Ecuador to... Uh, host this Copa America, and that didn't work out um, because of of Coma Balls and FIFA's hopes to essentially the they felt Ecuador did not have enough stadiums that were big enough for this. Ecuador certainly yeah. has plenty of stadiums, but a lot of them are not large per se. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, potentially the U.S. has kind of swooped in to to make up for that, uh, sort of akin to the Copa America centenario that was played. Uh, gosh, I don't know. What, however many years ago now uh here in the states yeah. um so interesting news it's going to be uh, it's going to certainly affect the the u.s men's national team it's going to affect uh folks living in the states that are interested in soccer the copa america is a great tournament never not an exciting tournament so uh you know personally the idea that i might be able to go to, to some games is very exciting no word yet on who would be hosting the games probably cities that are in the running to host World Cup games would be my guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, very, very exciting. The Copa America Centenario was was a really fun event. Um, it was pretty comable dominated. The, the I think only one CONCACAF team did partic- particularly well, and that was the U.S. that finished fourth place. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it would be interesting to see how, how, how things looked in a couple of years when they all face off again. Uh, but, yeah, I thought, thought that's something interesting for people to keep their eye on. Uh, that we might be having that tournament in or near us uh, in in two years. Yeah, it, it's good for a, a lot of reasons. The two main ones that I see being that it, it provides greater competition for the U.S. men's national team as they, you know, will head into the that World Cup cycle, um, not really having to qualify, so they're not going to have too much, you know, real super high important tough games. Um, you know, heading in there. So the more of those that they can get uh, leading up, the better. I also think it's good for the U.S. as a whole as a host of the 2026 World Cup because they don't do the Confederations mm. Cup anymore, at least to my understanding, they don't do the Confederation. They yeah. didn't for the Qatar World Cup, at least. So, um, you know, it's kind of good to have that, that um, what do you call it, and in, in, uh, like plays and stuff, dress rehearsal. It's good to have like mm. that dress rehearsal, if you 
you will, or you need to sort of, you know, this, this will give them an opportunity to see, you know, okay, yep, these are some things that went well, or these are some things that we need to work on to make sure that everything is tight and every I is dotted, every T is crossed, every loose end is tied up for 2026. So, um, yeah, I think this, this is only, this can mean only good things and it's cool that, um, that, that we're here in the U S cause it's always kind of a wonder as like, Oh, is the U S going to be in Copa America? It's a great competition. Oh. It'd be great if they could be in there every time. Um, but, um, yeah, it's cool that we're gonna, we're gonna be in there here in uh, just a couple of years. Um, my final thing is not soccer related at all. I don't even have it on the notes here, Dom, but. Um, so there's something that, that hits a lot of people this time of year, especially in our area, and it's called mm-hmm. seasonal affective disorder. Um, basically, it's some people, a lot of people call it seasonal depression. Um, it, the, there's not a lot of sunlight this time of year, right? Uh, it, 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 the sun doesn't rise late until late and it doesn't, and, and it goes down pretty quick. So um you know that that seems to affect a lot of people and i've i've seen it affect friends family members stuff like that um but this is the first time i've i've felt it personally i've i've really that from a personal level um and you know i, I just kind of one of the things that i've been told in my conversations with people is is like this is totally normal it's not you're not weird you're not abnormal for feeling this way you know, it's kind of one of those, you know, the, the, the theme that's been going to my mind is it's not be okay. Like it's okay to not be mm. absolute sunshine all the time. It's okay to feel this way, especially in this time of year. Um, and that, that goes for, for any type of depression too, not just, not just seasonal depression, but if you're going through any sort of tough time or, you know, you're, you're going through some, some mental health stuff that's totally normal it's totally totally um you you should abnormal you shouldn't feel you know like you're disappointing anyone or anything like that it's it's a complete it's it's a fact of life especially up here um and um i just want to just kind of going through that myself this time of year for the first time uh it's been uh it's been a interesting experience it's been kind of a wild ride to be honest um but i think one of the things that helps bring me some comfort is the fact that a not anybody going through this is not alone right you're not the only one so you know what you're going through and can empathize with you truly empathize with you and b it's okay it's 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 okay to not be okay so um, I just want to throw that out there for anybody listening that's kind of going through that. Um, you're not alone and um, you're all good. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's a really important, uh, you know, and obviously, yeah, because where we live, you have strong winters and, and that weather and there's other parts of the country. I know that that tend, people tend to have to deal with that too, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a situation that a lot of people end up being a part of. And uh, just like any other you know, you were, you were saying the story, but just like any other source of, of, of negative feeling or depression that, that is out there, obviously there's a, a long list of things that can contribute to that. Just like any other source, it's, it's, you know, it's not a bizarre thing. You're dealing with something that a lot of people around you probably are dealing with. And it's, it's good to seek out that community and, and, and seek out the, um, yeah, see, you know, seek out connections with people around you uh, when, when you're dealing with that kind of stuff. But yeah, don't feel 
don't feel like like you're an out you're an odd you're an odd person or something because you're dealing with that because frankly lots and lots of people are dealing with it so um yeah, mm-hmm. yeah important and, message. Uh, i think one of the things one of the things that i i've learned is is talking about it helps mm-hmm. finding somebody to confide into whether it's uh you know for for me as my wife so whether it's a spouse or a sibling or a parent or uh, a, a child if you're old enough to have a child who can understand uh, um a friend uh, a professional you know i mean mm-hmm. it doesn't it, it doesn't i mean it matter who you talk to but i think just just talking and getting it out there and and having somebody understand what you're going through is a huge step so um yeah that would be my ending point there all right. Um, real quick, I'll wrap mine. Also, doesn't have to do with soccer, but it's different than yours. But uh, my 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 last top four will just be a quick shout out um, because uh, the the high school football season has finally ended. <laughs> um, the state tournament has finally ended, and um, I, I just kind of want to shout out. You know, I, I, because of my uh, job, I've been paying a lot more attention to high school football than I necessarily used to. Certainly since I left high school, and um, you know, I, I've had a really great time being able to work in and around that um, that side of the game, getting to know teams and coaches and players. And I, I was lucky to have the opportunity to go to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium a couple of times for the state tournament. And uh, re- really a, a wonderful sort of corner of sports culture uh, is, you know, things like the state football tournament. Certainly in places like Minnesota, you have a similar thing with the state hockey tournament. Um, but I just wanted to shout out, you know, uh, Maple Grove, who won the Class 6A uh, state title. They were the team that I was covering the state tournament for, uh, or about, rather. And uh, so just want to congratulate them on that. Had an absolute j- uh, joy of a ride following them along and all that, and, and really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to to build my, my, my job and my reputation with that work. Um, and yeah, I had a really great time just getting way more immersed. I actually found, I'll, I'll, I'll add this, I found that I appreciate the sport of American football a lot more now that I report on it and I um, mm-hmm. photograph it. Uh, I've, I've found that I uh, feel a lot more connected to it as, as a sport than I did necessarily growing up as a, as a kid that just kind of watched it on TV but never really played it. Um, so it's been a really a, a really good experience, and I, I really appreciate that experience and appreciate the Maple Grove and Osseo football teams for being the vehicles for that for me. So I just want to kind of shout out to the end of, of that high school football season. But I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and we got a, didn't, we got a second Minneapolis miracle, didn't we? Uh, there was a, yes. one, I oh can't my remember gosh. the two I think teams that, was the new London game. that played. Yeah. The last second, uh, hail mary. Hail mary doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily necessarily make it into the end zone, but it's caught by being tackled. There is a wide open teammate next to him, so he's literally laterals it to the wide open teammate, and he's able to walk in from the five yard line for the winner. Yeah. That's I mean it was on Sports Center. It was it was all oh, over yeah. just a, a crazy sort of storybook way to and uh, you know to to win a state championship, and then obviously a heartbreaking, absolute heartbreaking way to lose it. Uh, for the opposing team, but yeah. uh, a lot of excitement, you know, uh, you know, there seems to be a little bit of a push in soccer fans and football fans. Sometimes there are, there are a lot of, especially in America, there are a lot of people who are fans of both, um, but there does seem to be a little bit of a, of a push and pull there sometimes, but 
yeah, you can't necessarily beat that that state championship football environment here in the states. It's a different animal. So, um, yeah, very very cool. I was watching a few of the games on on, on forty five TV as well. Um, so yeah, just uh, it's kind of a, a really cool atmosphere. Can't beat the atmosphere of the state hockey tournament, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, you know, it's it's still it's uh, it's a cool thing in its own right. Okay, well that will do it for this week's episode of ten thousand pitches. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to everybody who supports us. Thank you to Penn's Homes and Night Street Soccer and Coffee for being great supporters of the show as well. Um, be a friend. Uh, reach out to somebody. Um, you know, tell them you love them. All that good stuff. Um, be good to people, and uh, we'll be. I mean, it, oh, I almost forgot. Stoppage time. If you want to go, you want to hear more from Jeremy and Dominic. Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash soda soccer. Uh, a little bit of a, a world cup update as we're recording here, Dom, I got some uh, breaking news on my phone that we will talk about on patreon.com slash soda soccer. Um, so um, yeah, go ahead and head there for more of us. Um, if not, that's totally cool. We'll be back next week for another episode. of See you guys.